Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's me, your physical trainer. Just letting you know that before you go on a run, you should make sure that you stretch, hydrate, and queue up an episode of this podcast. Before I continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, you may be seeing, on the internet, some opportunities to buy tickets to see Potterless in a city near you. Well, that was going to be the plan. I was going to do a tour of the eastern and central United States in June. Unfortunately, this happened, and that's been postponed. But some ticket websites are still posting it, so here's just a warning. Don't buy those, because those shows won't happen, and I want to make sure that you guys don't get stuck with some weird fees. We will be having this tour whenever touring is feasible again. I'll be sure to provide updates on the show and social media as well whenever we can make that happen. On an unfortunately similar note, the merchandise store has been paused for the time being. Our merchandise distributor is based out of Montana, and Montana has shut down non-essential businesses like a lot of cities are doing, and our merchandise partner's warehouse falls under that. So they filled out all the orders through Friday, March 27th. Other orders are being put on pause. So I'm sorry about that, but we have to keep people safe so it makes sense. I will be continuing to send out Patreon merch, though. I've sent out a bunch of shirts recently, but I will have to put that on pause for a little bit. But I can safely send out stickers for the next who knows how long. So I'll be getting on that. If you're a patron and you have questions about Patreon merch, feel free to shoot me an email, potterillspodcast at gmail.com. I'm happy to talk it through. And speaking of Patreon, but on a happier note, we've new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Kelly Booz, Danny Lisbeth, Minky Dreesen, Stephanie Carrillo, Kate Davis, Rock Sarah, Abigail Whitehouse, Ilaria Wiesenton, Marisa Mora Zapata, Sarah Luna Rose, Katarina Kobzova, Sarah Murray, Brooke Harris, Kirsten Koenigbauer, and Katrin Ruspeler, Anna Violetta So, Joyce Thyssen, and a happy birthday wish to Alex Consulver. A name correction for Laura Hetz, a producer correction for two people whose names I was failing to say, Char Char Binks and Natanya Page. Shout out to Landon Schwausch and Kendra Hertz who upgraded to the producer level status as well as our new producer level patrons, Yokan Shadley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, and Elite Rave. They joined the ranks of Vicky Aaron Clow, Marchismo, Samantha Juan, Rose Marie, Maria Romina, Audra Eleanor, Nikita Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Haley, Moster, Alex, John, Noel, Liz, Brandon, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Summer, Andrea, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Alicia, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Eileen, Keegan, Mr. Folk, Maya, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Elizabeth, Michael, Tiffany, Kelly, Carrie, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Samantha, Aurora, Marcus, Courtney, Marie, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, Julie, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Brianna, McKenna, Heather, Brad, Thomas, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Chrissy, Jarl, Haley, Ashley, Peter, Sophie, Jen, and Nicole, Callahan, Kylo, Leah, Melissa, Bella, Melanie, Bill, Victoria, Elizabeth, Britt, Becca, Reese, Adam, Joseph, Lily's mom, T-Run, Madison, Kyle, Tonks, GK, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, David, Maria, Matt, Okamahime, Yimki, Bony Pony, Jacob, Kelsey, Taco, Blowfish, Rike, Taylor, Rochelle, Megan, Alicia, Riley, Colleen, Steen, Laurel, Rossanne, Erica, Miranda, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Who never dropped food on their lap immediately after it was given to them on a plate. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, the most recent bonus episode was the audio from the live show we had in LA in February. There's also director's commentary and exclusive merchandise that I mentioned earlier and live streams and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. We're also doing a very special Discord trivia night on April 1st. It is Potterless trivia, so not Harry Potter trivia. All the questions are about me and the podcast. If you are a $2 and above patron, you get access to the Discord and you can participate. All of that fun bonus content lives at patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 119 of Potterless, covering deleted scenes for movies five and six, guest starring Emily McGovern, the creator of My Life as a Background Slytherin. (laughs) 
Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who didn't read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He read them as an adult. He watched the movies, and now he's doing stuff about things beyond the standard movies. My name is Mike Schubert. I am that grown man, and I'm here joined today by a lovely human being. You may know her as being the person behind the Instagram account, Emily's Cartoons, which features the webcomic My Life as a Background Slytherin. It's Emily McGovern. Emily, how's it going? Hello. I'm all right. Very well, thanks. How are you, Mike? I'm doing very well, all things considered, that I haven't left my apartment for anything besides going on a run and getting food. I mean, there is that. There is the global pandemic aside. Things are going well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Aside from the world, like, slowly crumbling around us, things are great. Yeah, yeah. Time for a podcast, man. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, hey, people out there are bored and stuck in their apartments and podcasting. They need content. If anything, the two of us are really just doing a good civil service to the world. Public service. We're frontline, Mike. Frontline workers here. (laughs) (laughs) I think people really ought to just be thanking us for all of the good we're doing in this world by creating podcasts and and cartoons for people to consume while they're bored. I mean, in these trying times, who else can we turn to except for podcasters and illustrators? Yeah, you're welcome, guys. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So we are here to discuss the deleted scenes for the final four Harry Potter films. And before we get into that, I would like to just get a sense of your Harry Potter fandom. Obviously, you have an appreciation for background characters in the Harry Potter universe. Before we started recording, you said that you appreciated that I did a whole episode about non-essential characters and stuff like that. So as far as your Harry Potter fandom, like where does that all fit in? What led you to make the cartoons, etc.? So the comic started about three or four years ago. Yeah, it's called My Life as a Background Slytherin. So I just put myself in the background of various famous scenes and tried to show them from a Slytherin perspective, which I think came out of um, talking to a friend of mine and she asked where, I think she asked what house I'd be in. And I was saying I'd be a Slytherin, but I'd be one of those kind of like really cowardly Slytherins who, you know, like 20 years after the Battle of Hogwarts when their kid was like, so what what, what were you doing then? I'd be like, ah, I don't remember. Like, "Mm, like, hard to say, hard to say. And she thought that was funny. And so I started to make a comic about it. But so for the comic, more or less, the books are canon Mm -hmm. because I'm actually not that familiar with the films. I have probably seen them all in bits and pieces just from living in, you know, civilization but I am not like beat for beat familiar with them in the way that I am more so with the books and that I know that the fandom generally is because at one point everyone was talking about this scene where McGonagall teaches the Gryffindors to dance and I was like how Uh did I miss that but yeah it's it's a a movie (laughs) don't worry the movies are generally rubbish to put it in a term that you could understand oh really you would go that far I was wondering (laughs) whether we were gonna be coming down on the sides of like judgment artistically because do people not mind when you're like the movies are rubbish no I think for the most part people are okay that I dislike the movies because they leave out a lot of things as these deleted scenes episodes have shown they tend to just leave out things that help with the plot and show emotion (laughs) and all of that and I guess as we will cover these deleted scenes I'm sure you not being very familiar with the movies we're probably wondering why it wasn't this in there (laughs) yeah yeah some of them yeah definitely I think we should get right into them yeah do so again for anyone listening at home I'll put the link to the YouTube video that we watched that is a supercut of all the deleted scenes if you want to watch these and get up to speed. We're going to begin with the fifth movie, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And the first deleted scene here 
baffled me to no end. Oh, it's it's, a, it's an incredible like way to kick off this podcast because it is just. I mean, <laughs> on the one hand, I understand why it was cut out, but on the other hand, it's kind of you know poetic cinema. It's uh, it's incredible. <laughs> it is captivating. So this first scene is Trelawney just strangely eating her food while Umbridge is announced as the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor and then starts to give her speech. And I would assume that this big clip was not meant to be shown in the film all in one continuous go because it is about a minute and a half of her eating food in a strange it's way. very long, very long, yeah. Is that is that Flitwick right at the beginning? Yes. The one played by Warren Davis, is that right? Warwick Davis, yes. Warwick Davis, yeah, okay, got it. Did he not undergo like a massive stylistic change because i seem to remember him looking very different in one of the movies (laughs) yeah in the first movie they make him look really old and haggard and have a really big beard and weird hair and then starting the second movie they decided uh you know what or maybe it's the third movie maybe it's when alfonso curan steps in they go actually let's make this guy look better and not so decrepit i think it was a good decision because he looks rough in the first movie but also this is the point where they decided that hermione will be like spiritually frizzy not like physically so yeah which i think there's a number of things that i made me not want to watch the movie when i was a teenager and i think as a frizzy teen mm. i was like particularly annoyed about the fact that they were just sort of for the first movie they kind of crimped her hair a bit and then afterwards they were like well you get the idea she's a frizzy nerd we don't really have to actually physically make her hair frizzy it's you know context you know we really need justice for frizzy hair people honestly the discrimination <sighs> against bringing in all different people of all different walks of life into the Harry Potter series is no secret, but I not enough people are talking about the lack of representation of frizzy-haired people. Frizz representation is needed. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, a bad a bad call in my, in my opinion. <sighs> yeah, so the scene is just Emma Thompson as Trelawney strangely eating the food. Here's what she ends up doing. She takes like a bowl of what looks like whipped cream. Yeah. And she just like puts it on the table a couple of times. I thought she was going to do some sort of divination thing with that, actually. I thought this was like the beginning of her like doing some tea leaf, but via whipped cream related thing. But (laughs) but no, she's she's just putting whipped cream on the table for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, she just puts whipped cream on the table. Then she puts a scoop of it into her drink, which is a choice. She then scoops her food onto her lap and then her hands get all messy with the food. So then she washes her hands in her whipped cream filled drink. It was very interesting. It's kind of pleasing in a kind of slapstick way, I guess. It goes on for an incredibly long time. Right. One thing, who is on her right? Who is this, like, sleek, kind of uh, no-nonsense-looking witch? Do we know? So they don't say. They show two teachers because the shot is a pan shot starting with Fluick. Then you pass a older black man who, of course, we have to get rid of representation in these films, so he can't be in the movie. <laughs> Does he not pop up again? No, he doesn't. At least to my <laughs> knowledge, he doesn't. Maybe he's in the very background of something, but he's never shown prominently in the films. But he wasn't white, so why would we put him in? Right. And then the person next to him, I'm not sure who it is. It could be Professor Vector, who is the arithmancy teacher that we never really get to see anything about in the books or the movies. Oh, that's movies. a great name, isn't it? Professor Vector. Septima Vector. She's fantastic. Yes. I mean, she's doing a great job. Great background work. Mm-hmm. Love it. 10 out of 10. Yeah, she's very serious and stern looking. But then every now and then when Trelawney does something especially strange with her food, she turns to the right and gives a disapproving look. It was masterful work. But not overplaying it either. Very yeah. casual. Not like extra. This is my like big star moment. This is when the right. director's going to see that I have talent. Just very cool. <laughs> very calm. Yeah, love it. Brilliant work. I can understand why it was cut because I don't get what it was supposed to achieve except for 
Trelawney having a bad omen about Umbridge since later on they have a run-in together and stuff, but yeah, I could see why it didn't make the cut. <laughs> Is it just like Emma Thompson having a whale of a time and they couldn't bring themselves to, you know, to cut away, basically? <laughs> I think that's what it was. Regardless, I'm glad that for the deleted scene, they kept the entire thing intact and showed us just two minutes of Emma Thompson having a blast with the prop food. So do we think that your audience, like the people listening, are going to be really familiar with these because they'll be like extended cut fans? Because I, for example, am a Lord of the Rings extended cut fan. Ah. And I know that we are Legion. But I don't know about the Harry Potter movies. Is like the extended cut more popular? So I don't think there is as stark of a distinction between director's cut and not director's cut like there is with Lord of the Rings. Because I feel like the Lord of the Rings director's cut stuff is entire side plots cut out. Whereas all these deleted scenes are just like, oh, here's 10 seconds that make the entire plot of the second movie make more (laughs) sense, but we cut them because, you know, we just had to. Do you want like another five seconds of Harry staring pensively into the distance? Sure. (laughs) We've got you covered. (laughs) Uh, So I don't think that there's as big of a thing, but I do think there is a chance that I have seen some director's cut versions of the movies because when I was watching them in preparation for the episodes I did about the movies, I very legally watched them on very legal websites online. Sure, uh, sure. And some of the scenes I talked about, some people reached out either on Twitter or Instagram or email and said that, oh, that's actually a deleted scene. So you might have had an extended cut version. Right. So I may have seen some by accident, but yeah, I don't think there's as clear, at least to my knowledge, I don't okay. think there's as clear of a like, this is the director's extended cut, this is not. But <laughs> yeah. I do know a lot of people are pretty familiar with the deleted scenes because in the movie episodes often I was like, why wasn't this in the movie? And then people would reach out and be like, don't worry, uh, it was okay. a deleted scene. Which doesn't make me feel any better because it's like <laughs> they still decided not to put it in the movie. It's almost worse if they went through the effort of filming it and then decided, nah, yeah. we don't need this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this one, at least we've got context now. Truly, she doesn't know how to eat. Nope. It's fine. She does not. And moving on to the next deleted scene, which is Ron and Harry storming out of the Gryffindor common room after the argument between Harry and Seamus about the Daily Prophet saying that Harry's a liar and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And it's a really quick little scene, but I like it because I like Neville scenes and I like scenes that show the emotion. It's Neville telling everyone else in the common room that his gran says that the prophet is what's rubbish and they're going to cancel their subscription. Yeah. Which I think is a nice little sentimental moment. And also it's kind of very if you'll allow it, cinema verite, and this is mm. kind of handheld camera move, very artistic, very real, very gritty, and then you've just got Neville looking, kind of preempting his, like, you know, final form, tough Neville slaying oh, yeah. snake, oh, you yes. know, version, where he's kind of got this thunderous <laughs> look, and he's like, mm-hmm. my gran. foreshadowing good stuff yeah it's a good good early sign of neville stepping up to the plate Mm -hmm. bad call director (laughs) (laughs) curse you david yates (laughs) so the next scene is another shot of the gryffindor common room but this is everyone just kind of hanging out you've got neville tending to his plant you have some random couple just making out in (gasps) a little doorway i I really liked this scene so i don't know because i'm not that familiar with the movies i don't know how much of this stuff they put in the final form but the awkward snogging in the background the kind of at some point you hear like some wizarding 
I want to say like new metal yes, playing yes. in the background. Mm -hmm. You know, it shows that they're ahead of their time because this is supposed to be like the mid 90s or something. It is, but the movies never did a really good job of making it actually feel like it was the 90s. They kind of just went for vague modernish time in the movies without really putting a stamp on it. Well, they could always just argue that the wizards were the ones who invented new metal and kind of the way like, so I live in Belgium. <laughs> Belgium kind of gets things like five years every after everyone else. And so maybe okay. the muggles didn't get new metal until, you know, the early 2000s, whereas the Wizarding World had been enjoying it for five plus years at that point. Are you Belgian or are you... What? Where? What? <laughs> yeah. where, no, where, am, what what's your story? <laughs> my classic Belgian <laughs> accent, as you can hear. So uh, my dad's British and my mom's Irish and I lived here when I was a kid and now I'm back. So that's kind of okay. the, the short version, yeah. I've been to Brussels once. <laughs> I did all the classic touristy things. I went to the big metal ball. Oh yeah, the Atomium. Yeah, yeah, I went yeah. to that and then I went to Mannequin Piss. And then I drank Elysium beer uh -huh. and I ate some good food and then I made my way on to the Netherlands. That was my day. Basically. I mean, I will say it gets mixed reviews, Brussels. Very, very mixed. So I'm, I'm glad you had a good time because I've had some like interesting reactions. My favorite one was this Korean person who told me, uh, she was like, oh yeah, I, uh, I did a tour and I had like two days in Paris and uh, one day in Brussels and I wish I'd had three days in Paris. Oh. And I was like, that's succinct. But, you know, I don't hate it. Like, good for you. <laughs> Honesty. <laughs> Thankfully, when I lived in Oakland, my roommate was Belgian. It was for a work thing. I was going to Paris for a six-month thing, and I was going to travel. And I was like, oh, should I go to Brussels? And he was like, yes, but for one day. Because after <laughs> one day, you will have done everything. Yeah. And I think that was good advice. Like, I had a great day, yeah, but I felt yeah. incredibly accomplished in all of the things that I did and drank and ate. And then I made my way on. And I think if I had stayed a second day, I would have been like, no, I did it. Yeah, I don't know. You made the right call, definitely. <laughs> Which... <laughs> anyway, Brussels, great country. Right. Uh, when people can travel again in a year, go, oh, yeah. go. <laughs> I just called Brussels a country. <laughs> Tight. Look at me. I'm so good at geography. Oh, yeah. This movie did do a pretty good job of showing just the kids being kids. I think not as good of a job in the third when Alfonso Cuaron stepped in and was like, we need to show that these teenagers are really teenagers. But there's still a couple scenes of them just hanging around and being students. Was that the point where they also started to wear muggle clothes? Was that number three? Yes, yeah, that was Kiran's right, big thing. A mistake in my opinion. But the muggle clothes? I, I think they should have stayed in robes, to be honest. I do too. I think you've mentioned this before. I think it makes for kind of plot disruptions later on, right? Yes. When the wizards are supposed to like not know how to be muggles. Right. Maybe the youth... They've like found out how the muggles dress and I don't know. Anyway. That's yeah, for wizards, since there is no technology, young wizards understand clothes and muggle things. That's being cool. That's their version of knowing how to add a contact to your iPhone. Yeah. Is, I know what a zip up hoodie is, I'm Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the rest of the scene, after you see the couple making out, you see Seamus running a game of cards with Dean, which I think is very fun. And then it ends with Harry looking dramatically and somberly at the fire. And then that's the end of the scene. So nothing crucial but it's a nice tone setter. It, it was, yeah. And very amicable, makes the place seem very cozy. I like it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the next scene is another Trelawney moment. It is a extended cut of the divination class where they're talking about dream interpretation and then Umbridge comes in. This scene is pretty well intact in the movie. This one just kind of expands on it a little bit. So you have a little bit more of the class in the beginning. You have a little more of Trelawney being upset. And then you have one scene of uh, Parvati being sad that Umbridge is being mean to Trelawney since it's her favorite professor. Uh, and that's all the scene really is. Like, I think it makes sense that they trimmed it out, but I kind of like the additional 
emotion behind what Trelawney is going through since she, in the book at least, takes it really rough when she gets kicked out and yeah. removed. Yeah, I wasn't sure like how much of this was kept into the other movie because yeah, I would assume that this is quite crucial. Mm-hmm. Doesn't this lead to her being fired? Yeah, possibly? so in the yeah. movie it's like the middle chunk is intact. It's just the beginning and the end that I think is kind of trimmed uh, okay. in this deleted scene. So hmm. not too big of a loss here. Yeah, I love Imelda Staunton. Uh, I was talking about this with a friend earlier. She kind of isn't quite evil enough. I don't know how you how you feel about this, how what the consensus is on this, but I don't know. I reckon she could be more evil. Right. I think part of the charm, not necessarily the charm, but part of what I enjoy about Umbridge is that she's not so over the top evil, but it's just the incredible misuse of power and the self-confidence that she's doing the right thing. Mm. And I think that the actress does a pretty good job of it. But I think what they do wrong in the movie is that towards the end in the book, when they have the whole scene between Harry and Hermione and they're bringing her to the centaurs in the forest, I think that you lose her big evil reveal because I think that's a big moment where in the book she goes full evil and unhinged and reveals that she sent the Dementors at Harry, which is something that doesn't happen in the movie. And one of the deleted scenes we're going to talk about is her being more freaked out. So I think that the movie towards the end didn't make her look like straight up evil enough because I thought that was a fun reveal. In the book, she slowly loses her cool. And once you have the scene where the Dumbledore's army is caught, I feel like that moment leads to unhinged Mm-hmm. Umbridge, and that I think is lost in the film. Yeah, but you know what? There might be some sort of thing where most of the Americans watching might not be familiar with the actors who are performing in oh, the Harry Potter movies. Whereas let me you tell you, from- <laughs> I don't know because in these movie episodes, I'm like, is this person famous? And then the yeah. entirety of the United Kingdom is like, you fucking idiot. Exactly. This like, is it's just the most for famous the actor treasures. of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think you like British viewers might have like a different relationship because like, uh, yeah, I love Imelda Staunton. Yes, I know she's. Very well accomplished. That's the the general vibe that I do know is that I assume all of the adult actors are incredibly accomplished and have done a lot of other things. I mean, you'll just have seen them in bonnets on the BBC kind of bustling Uh about, you know, somewhere in some period drama and you'll be like, oh, that's kind of like my aunt. I think it would would be really cool. I always appreciate when there is an actor that I know pretty well that is in a a role that you don't anticipate it. Like when Tom Cruise was in Tropic Thunder, you're like, what? This doesn't make any sense. So I think it would be fun if I if I knew these actors better. And sorry that I'm not well versed in Shakespearean theater stage <laughs> performances to know that Gilderoy Lockhart is like <laughs> some a big fucking deal. This is the thing. I would say my main point of interest in the Harry Potter movies is spotting all like the national treasures popping up in different roles and getting to just go absolutely ham and camp it up and just like really enjoy themselves. Probably for the biggest like paycheck of their lives it's it's great oh yes oh yeah the residuals are probably great i mean david Tennant goes in is a snake man for a whole movie and uh gets that bread there we go (laughs) (laughs) so the next thing we have is filch and umbridge just after fred and george leave in their dramatic firework explosion and i thought this scene was really funny it's the two of them standing outside of the great hall looking very upset and umbridge's hair is smoking like it's on fire and Filch tries to blow it out yeah. and then Umbridge doesn't let him touch it. Also, a key note that my wife pointed out when we were watching it is that her hands are fully extended yeah. the whole time. Like her fingers are fully spread out the whole time, which is just She's a good mad. moment to make her look uncomfortable. I loved this little scene. This is like a classic, I would say, Looney Tunes trope, mm. which I would call 
singed and furious where <laughs> something happens off screen usually there's like a loud crash and the next time you see the character they are charred singed like smoking likely and just absolutely furious and this is like a complete like straight played version of this trope love it's it's brilliant love singed it. and furious is my favorite fast and furious spin-off movie <laughs> franchise <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that's so good yeah she is that is the perfect way to describe the scene i'm very sad that it wasn't in the movie it's hilarious <laughs> yeah it should be yeah it's like 10 seconds long what are we doing what time are we saving <laughs> yeah well make yeah, the zoom yeah. in on the warner brothers logo 10 percent faster and da, we da, can da, keep da, the scene da, in. Da, da, <laughs> <laughs> the slow zooms in the movies where they go through the warner brothers logo takes 12 minutes so i yeah. think you can put this scene in if you just speed that up a little bit right 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 yeah completely also a nice that you know filch has a practical use mm-hmm. in this scene, you know, it's blowing some singed hair for the woman that he loves, you know, yeah, and the movie's true. making a point to make him obsessed with her. So why not keep it in? Yeah. Yeah. A nice moment. It is. So the next scene is what we were alluding to. It's an extended umbrage monologue in the forest with Harry and Hermione. Right. And I liked this. I was sad that it didn't go all the way the way the book does, because I don't believe the movie, and this deleted scene doesn't do it either, I don't think they ever reveal that Umbridge is the one who sent the Dementors after Harry over the summer, Mm, which is a big reveal in the book. And I think, yeah, I would agree. It's crucial. It's very important. But in this extended monologue, she talks about there is chaos in the school and she was just trying to keep order. She goes on to talk about she has to tie up loose ends and in order to do so, sometimes the ends justify the means for the greater good. And it looks like she's about to do an unforgivable curse of sorts. It looks like she's going to say Crucio and then just before she's about to do it, the scene cuts which I would assume in if this scene was to be used in the movie would be her getting attacked or cutting to the centaurs or something else. In the actual movie, do we see the centaurs? Because that's like expensive CGI stuff. They might have just cut away. Yes, we do see the centaurs. They go in and they just kind of carry her away, similar to the way in the book where it's ominous and you're like, what are they going to do with her? And you don't really know. Yeah. So that is done well in the movies. Yeah. I would say I feel bad for the actors like that. What are they like 15, 14 at this point? Whenever they have to react to someone monologuing at them, because I feel it does them no favors. They're just Mm. kind of (laughs) staring, looking a bit tense, but ultimately they don't have a lot to do here. And, uh, it doesn't show them in their best light, I would say. I would see how that makes sense, though, because when in your life has someone ever monologued at you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why? I mean, I guess she's pointing a wand at them, but you're not uh, really yeah. sure why they're just standing there looking pissed. It's the facial equivalent <laughs> of, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Like, we'll see it later. But I, I really wish that some production person had given, like, the kids something to hold in a lot of their scenes. Mm. There's a lot of kind of locked arms by their sides, which I sympathize. Like, I would not know what to do with my arms if I was being filmed. I really wish some person had been like, look, let's just give them an apple. Let's give them a book. They all have wands. They have wands. I feel like if I was in... The Harry Potter universe, I would be constantly fidgeting with my wand. Just setting things on fire and then putting them out and setting them on fire. (laughs) Even just like trying to get good at twisting it between my fingers like a drummer does with drumsticks. I would just do something with it. Maybe I'm just a naturally fidgety person, but... Even as I record this podcast, I am playing with the drawstring on my sweatpants. Oh, yeah. No, I have not let go of my hair this entire time we've been recording. I have just been <laughs> twirling it. Yeah. No, exactly. Give them give them something to fidget with. 
but well, uh, yeah. If it was modern, they could have all had fidget spinners if the movies took place in just the year 2016. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> Yeah, or, or just like phones, like everybody's just got a phone in their hand now and it's such like a useful prop because it's like everything and nothing is in your phone. This is another great moment if the movies actually were like the 90s, they could have all been playing with silly putty or slap bracelets or those like gummy hands that stick to walls. Yeah, I feel like the 90s in America was such a specific kind of era for those little like gimmicky toys that mm -hmm. I just have no idea about. I, I don't I don't think I had a slap bracelet. Oh, I don't remember. I think we had different pogs, toys in Europe. <laughs> the finger traps. So right. many good things. <laughs> <laughs> Playing uh, Jacob's Ladder with string in between your fingers. Okay, yeah, that one that one we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little fortune teller things that you put in between your fingers and it was like, say a color, blue, B-L-U-E. Uh, say a number, seven, oh, yeah, one, yeah, two, yeah, three, yeah, four, no, five, six, that. seven, and then pulled up. It's like, you're going to get pooped on in the <laughs> in class. Yeah, no, that one made it to Europe. We got that one. <laughs> <laughs> your crush is going to hate you. Yeah. So yeah, keep this scene in uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we need yeah. more, we need more yeah. evil Wrong umbrage. call directors, yet again. <laughs> <laughs> so this next scene is Harry going into Dumbledore's office. I think this would be after the ministry thing and after Sirius died because he looks kind of beat up. And I do have a note here for these videos, which I realized there's this sad guitar that plays in the background, which happened earlier in one of the first four movie deleted scenes. And I was like, that's interesting that they have a sad guitar. This is definitely just in this YouTube video. Every now and then they swap out music, I guess, to avoid a copyright claim. So I this see. sad guitar, which makes its way into maybe three or four more scenes in this YouTube video is not from the Harry Potter score. I mean, I, I was baffled. <laughs> I was like, this feels like something between what you'd play over a sad scene in the OC and maybe yes. something in Twin Peaks. It's, it's, it's great though, like a big mood. Definitely. <laughs> yes. So don't worry, viewer at home. This is not in the Harry Potter universe. This okay. is uh, right, right. whoever uploaded this YouTube video decided to do this. But the sad <laughs> guitar could fit. Uh, it's Harry just looking sad. I think it's fine that they didn't include this tiny scene because in the book, you have the big scene where Harry is really upset and then he destroys everything in Dumbledore's office out of anger. Oh. And if you're not going to go full stop into that scene, I don't think you need to go half measure into a tiny scene of Harry looking sad for six seconds. Like it doesn't really accomplish anything. So does he not smash everything up in the film? Not in the movies, hmm. which is, I think, the biggest mistake of the entire film. That's a key character moment. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe the prop department was like, we really don't want <laughs> Dana Reckler to have to destroy. We don't want to have to make 12 clocks for him to break yeah and then <laughs> magically repair yeah, yeah, yeah that's true but that was this was like the rage book no like yes book five is like angry harry right post-traumatic stress mm. he's got some stuff going on so justifiably angry but yes still very angry caps lock harry yeah 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 <laughs> caps lock harry yeah Okay, interesting. I will say that uh, in a lot of these deleted scenes, I see why they were cut out because it's kind of Daniel Radcliffe staring into space for a while and then often someone coming up behind him and going, Harry, and then the scene ends. So those ones, I, I see why they cut all of those out, but yeah. <laughs> so the final deleted scene from this movie is Ron and Harry talking as Harry packs to go home. And Ron says, hey, the feast is going on. Do you want to go down? Harry says that he's not in the mood. Ron goes, oh, yeah, me too. I'm not hungry either, which is a blatant lie because Ron is always hungry. <laughs> always hungry. <laughs> and then Harry says, no, go on ahead. I think this is a really sweet moment because Ron, canonically, is always hungry always and hungry. gets 
very upset when he can't get food. And I think this is a great friendship moment. And it's just continuing the theme of all of these deleted scenes that show why Harry and Ron are good friends. They all just get deleted. Yeah. And a uh, great bad lying, I would say, from the actor yes. there, from Rupert Grint. Great, like, uh, a sweet scene, definitely. Mm-hmm. And the bad lying is such a teenage thing. A bit of a low-key moment from Ron, which he doesn't get many in the films, from what mm-hmm, I can see. Mm-hmm. He's generally kind of like, his face is going in like seven different directions at once, and he's just doing the most. So it's nice to have a moment where he's a, a bit more dialed down. Yeah, I think it was a really good showing of Rupert Grint's acting chops because after this he goes down the stairs and sees Hermione and she looks at him hopefully and he kind of has to give a somber shake of the head mm. note that he's not coming. I thought it was really great. I'm sad it wasn't in there. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> but that is it for Order of the Phoenix. So now we move on to Half-Blood Prince. Oh, past Mike, we will be making our way to the deleted scenes from Half-Blood Prince, but much like someone watching these movies in real time when they actually came out, you have to wait a little bit before you can go on to the next one. What's the cause of this break? It's Wingardium Adriosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Tab for a Cause. I'm just going to get right to it. Tab for a Cause is a fantastic Google Chrome extension that helps you raise money for charity just by opening tabs on the internet, which I do very often. I'm sure you do as well, and I'm sure you're doing even more in these times. The reason I really wanted to talk about Tab for a Cause this episode is because currently they are doing an initiative to raise charity for COVID-19 relief, so it's the perfect time to join. All you got to do is go to tabforacause.org slash Potterless already now, T-A-B-F-O-R-A-C-A-U-S-E dot O-R-G slash Potterless. And after that, you just do a couple clicks, install the Google Chrome extension, and you start opening tabs and you can donate your hearts. You get one heart every time you open a tab. You can donate those to charity and raise money. So far at this point in time, they have raised $878,326.46, which is pretty fantastic. I just thought it was a great time to talk about them on the show because they are contributing to the Solidarity Fund. So far, 18.2 million hearts have been donated, which is fantastic. I'm giving all of my hearts to this cause and you can too. And it's so, so simple. So if you want to help in a really easy way, you can. If you go to tabforacause.org slash potterlist today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch cool stuff you can do with arena club including their slab packs if you have ever done any sort of card collecting you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card but what's nice about the slab packs with arena club 
is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can right get 10% you can off get, your first purchase right now, by going to arenaclub.com Club. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Wow. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So now we move on to Half-Blood Prince. And the first deleted scene is Harry and Hermione talking about Draco not looking well. And then also that he's spending time around a vanishing cabinet. So just extra context to them being suspicious of Draco. And there's another deleted scene from this movie of them talking further about Draco's suspicions. And as a whole, I'm upset that these scenes were deleted because I think that was a really key part of the sixth book is them constantly wondering what's going on with Draco. And in the movie, you lose the suspicion. You just continually have scenes of Draco being suspect, but not the squad being suspicious of it. Right, I see. Yeah, I mean, it's also like one of the things that I think makes the movies a bit blunter than the books is that you actually have to have people say out loud, isn't it suspicious what Draco is up to without, (laughs) whereas in the book, they can be a little bit more subtle about it. The lack of narrator can come back to bite the movies quite often. Oh, yeah. That was something else I was thinking about that when I was watching the Trelawney scene, I remembered that um, in the book, it often mentioned that she smells like cooked sherry or cooking sherry. Do you remember that? Uh And I remember as a child thinking, what is, it sounds delicious, whatever cooking, I had no idea what it was. Kind of like, you know, in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, when you don't know what Turkish Delight is, but it sounds amazing. (laughs) And uh, And then you have a Turkish Delight and you realize they're uh, actually garbage. (laughs) And now I'm like, I guess cooking sherry. I still not 100% what it is, but it's probably not great. I would assume sherry is wine, right? Like it's a sweet wine. And then cooking sherry is, I guess, when you cook with wine? Yes, I don't know. I don't know exactly, but sherry is like a very, like, it's somewhere between a wine and a spirit. Ah. So it would be very strong. Just in case, I will turn to our UK correspondent, Dottie James, who helps me out when I have British quandaries, and we haven't had her on an episode in a while, so I'll shoehorn this in. So we'll see (laughs) if Dottie has anything to say about (laughs) cooking sherry. And now it is time for British quandaries with UK correspondent, Dottie James. Cooking sherry is absolutely a real thing. Although some of the characters in the book use it as a pure drink, it is commonly used as an ingredient as it has extra salt added to give it a longer shelf life. This has been British Quandaries with UK correspondent Dottie James. 
Thank you, Dottie, for this wonderful knowledge that we now have. <laughs> Thanks. But also uh, impressive that seeing as the narration is the slots, like kind of from like Harry's point of view that he knows how to identify cooking sherry. Yeah, maybe maybe Petunia was really big on using cooking sherry. I was thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He's uh, <laughs> he's got gaps in his knowledge, but you know, knowledge of like uh, <laughs> cooking with alcohol, not one of them. Thanks, Petunia. <laughs> So the next deleted scene is Hermione chiding Harry for messing up the Slughorn interrogation so royally. There is a great back and forth where she says, quote, honestly, Harry, sometimes I think the Daily Prophet should call you the dim one. Ah. <laughs> Harry just goes, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I Which what, I thought was so good. It's great. It's great. Hermione doesn't get many moments like that. So I like precious, precious like thing. Also, dim is an excellent insult that isn't really like it's it's so specific. And also it's mm -hmm. it's kind of it's not super harsh. Right. But it's also very insulting. It's just it's a it's a great word. Dim is is also you know like there's the UK word um, thick. Yes. Also like stupid, which is a great word. I love the American uh, meaning of thick too. That's also oh, a great. Oh, thick you with know, two C's. With two yes. C's. Also a great a great word. But <laughs> thick with a C K meaning not bright is is a brilliant descriptor. I love it. And dim equally great. In my quarantine days, I have been watching a lot of those British panel shows oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. taskmaster uh -huh. and big fat quiz of the year yeah. and the words that people throw at each other as insults i am so envious yeah like dim. calling people daft calling people dim yeah daft uh, is a great like one, yeah. Yeah, saying yeah. that people are like faffing about oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, gosh yeah. i love it yeah, but no, I, I liked that a lot, the dim, call it the dim one. That's a great joke. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I've made a point often. I don't think that the movies make the kids British enough. Mm. There's not enough times where they say British slang and say things like, oh, come off it or bloody hell or all these other classic Britishisms. I don't know if it was intentional that they try to either Americanize or just non-Britishize the kids, but yeah. I think they could have played more into them being from England. Well, speaking as someone who has written a book, Blood, Lust and Bonnets, available Yay. now, which is set in England but sold to an American market, I was put under not a lot of pressure, but basically I did have a lot of feedback from kind of the editors, like well-meaning being like, oh, this specific word, I don't think American audiences will get it. And I had to kind of push back and be like, I think they'll put it together. I think, and actually, I think they'll like it if I, I put, I can't remember what it was, but if I put a word like dim in, I think they'll put it together that it means not clever, you know. We're thick, but we're not that thick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so I reckon because this was made for an international market, they probably did have some things of like, you can't, uh, you can't have them saying, I don't know, some specific is squabbling squabbling like is that an english word we don't say it but we can understand well, that's it. that's the thing isn't it like squabbling that's, yeah usually context clues yeah you, you read the tone you use the context of how it's used in a sentence and you can put it together i yeah. had a math teacher who was british in high school who said you need to stop faffing about and yeah. i didn't know what that meant but i gathered <laughs> he meant stop fucking around it probably wasn't good yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i was like the way he is saying this he wants me to stop doing a thing i am goofing off and class, I would assume he is telling me to stop goofing off in class. Yeah, no, I agree. It only adds to the charm when you have local stuff in. So yeah, I think it should should lean more that way. Mm -hmm. So the scene continues and Hermione says to Harry that it's going to be harder now for Harry to get the information out of Slughorn. And then you get some more Malfoy stuff where as Hermione is leaving, 
Harry says that he thinks Malfoy is up to something and leaving the castle because when he looks at the Marauder's Map, sometimes Malfoy disappears. And Hermione says that's impossible. No one can leave the castle these days, so the map is wrong. And Harry goes, the map is never wrong. And then Hermione kind of sassily turns and looks at him disapprovingly. And then she goes, good night, Harry. And it's definitely seven o'clock at night based on where the sun is in this scene. So Hermione is being a big nerd and going to bed at seven. It is sunset. Yeah, Uh, They've given her a prop, though. Thanks for that, guys. She's holding a book. Looks more natural, especially compared to the very next scene where she's outside and they all are walking with no objects in their hands and they all look (laughs) (laughs) a bit awkward. All the kids should have had backpacks. Backpacks are in the books canonically. Why do none of the kids have backpacks? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Do they not? No, they just kind of carry their books to class, I think. But they also don't have lockers. So where are they? Do they have to store all of their books in just a big pile in the common room or in their dorms? Endless summoning charms, just books flying through the castle at all times, (laughs) like knocking people off their feet. This is a big obsession with mine uh, in the comics where every time that there's a summoning charm done, Presumably that object is just like hurtling through space and taking out little first years, you know, knocking them downstairs and stuff like that. Oh, it's so true. Maybe that's why Harry's always late to classes because he always has to go back to his dorm room to get his books because he doesn't have a locker. Yeah, or he's just been smacked in the face by a giant, you know, Christmasy book. <laughs> Sorry, I was unconscious in the hallway. Yeah, Someone's okay. <laughs> giant textbook hit me in the back of the head. The corridors are just littered with the bodies of students. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of part of the course in Hogwarts anyway. I mean, yeah, they would be like, oh, another kid died. Another well, one can't down. can't shut oh, down the school well. just yet. Ten people have to die. Uh, he'll be fine. <laughs> So the next deleted scene is Harry talking to the squad again about Malfoy's suspicions. He says that he realizes that Malfoy disappearing could instead be him going to the room of requirement. And this is a realization that was actually made in the books. So I am upset that it did not make its way into the film. But Ron goes on to clarify that his dad told him that the vanishing cabinet at Borgen and Burks is still there. So then they're trying to wonder, oh, wait, what's going on? Harry says, what if there's two? And then the scene ends because Harry is going to meet up with Dumbledore. I think this is before they go into the cave. Mm. And then Ron says, good luck, mate. And Harry says, I don't need luck. I'll be with Dumbledore. This scene is incredible. It has it Mm. all. Malfoy's suspicions. More context to the vanishing cabinet situation. And then one of the best lines in the book of, I don't need luck, I'll be with Dumbledore. Which is then mirrored in a later scene, which they also can't. I know. Why would they delete some of the cutest quotes? They're so good. Yeah. I'm surprised that, so none of this made it in. No. uh, Mm. At least I don't. Think so. I am almost positive that the I don't need luck, I'll be with Dumbledore quote did not make it in. And they definitely don't really talk about Malfoy and the Vanishing Cabinet stuff. The movies just only show Malfoy doing it and not any sort of outside suspicion of it. To be fair, that's what happens in the books. They don't put it together. No, but they at least wonder about it. Like they at least recognize that Malfoy is being suspicious. and stuff, that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's at least a conversation. Yeah. I mean, the Marauders map also, I mean, we don't know if it's infallible. You're just kind of assuming that, Harry. I mean, how does he know that that thing is right? He doesn't. My dad made it, so it can't be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) My dad and his best friends. But also, it's just supremely creepy. The Marauder's Map is astonishing. Like, uh, invasive, terrible, surveillance state. Bad, bad, bad. Mm -hmm. Not a good look from the Marauders. (laughs) A good guy with a crazy surveillance technology. 
is the only way you defeat a bad guy with crazy Savannah's technology. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene is inside of the cave and it's Dumbledore giving the backstory of the whole Voldemort tortured people in this cave scene, which ultimately I think is fine to leave out from the movie. But it is nice to see that they did try to figure a way to put that in because I do mm. think that's a nice touch for the books. I don't think it's essential for the movies, but it is good to know that this cave has... It's not just a random cave. This is a cave where Voldemort did some shit to some kids that we won't speak of. Yeah. Also, you know, Gambon's time is is running out, so it's Mm. nice to have a little bit extra of him. Right. And speaking of, the next scene is when Harry and Dumbledore are on their way out of the cave. Harry says, come on, Professor, we're almost there. And then Dumbledore says to Harry, I'm not worried, Harry, I'm with you, which is one of my favorite lines. And the mirroring is so good. Why would you take this out? Iconic line in the book. Mm -hmm. I am a terrible cynic and have been since, you know, I was born. And so I think 16-year-old me or 15-year-old me read it and thought like, eh, that's really cheesy. (laughs) But still, iconic line, surprised that they didn't want to include it, especially seeing as cheese doesn't seem to have put them off in other places. Not at all. Not at all. So very confusing for me. Mm. I, I don't get it. So the next scene is a montage of people sadly looking at the sky. Oh, yeah. Which I guess could perhaps be when the Death Eaters do the big dark mark. That's what I was assuming. But no one is standing together and Draco's in a hospital bed. I was very confused at the context of this deleted scene. One uh, for the fans of background characters. Uh, Flitwick runs the school choir. That's quite nice. Yes, they do show that in the third movie. Oh, do they? They, they show that. But they there was in this deleted scene an extra cut of Flitwick doing choir practice. I, I love it when they show the little extracurriculars and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan. But the choir, not in the books. Exactly. It's, it's just a movie thing. Of course there'd be a choir. It's a public school. <laughs> yes, I, I, you as the resident champion of background characters, I also need to make sure we get this on the recording because you said you appreciate Ludo Bagman and that he's such a big feature in Potterless. Yes. Uh, which I'm, makes me very happy. I'm so pleased to discover that Ludo Bagman, his, his <laughs> you know, his influence extends. I I think he's a great character and probably my number one peripheral. I don't know if you call him peripheral, but my my number one, what was it? Unnecessary Harry Potter character? Yeah, I mean, he's a fun red herring. I fell for him so incredibly badly. And that's what has made him a joke in the podcast. I was beyond convinced he was the bad guy in the fourth book. Oh, did you? Just turned out to be a red herring. But I think it was a good writing by JK. I fell for it. A great writing and a great example of JK Rowling's talents in world building. I would say that like an unnecessary kind of tertiary or, you know, uh, less than tertiary character (laughs) is uh, not only like so like fun and you want to know more about him, but he actually does influence the plot a little bit by uh, tipping his hand to help Harry and everything like that. Right. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just suspicious enough for to fly into my radar yeah. and uh, me go head over heels thinking that he was guilty. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Bagman hive. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so... The next deleted scene is Harry approaching the common room where everybody else is, and Ginny looks at him very sadly. It's a big zoom in on her face, and that's pretty much all that happens. I think it's fine that we cut this scene. I don't think it accomplishes much except for Ginny looking sad, which is a theme throughout this movie. Yeah, a lot of uh, another, yeah, 10-second shot of Daniel Radcliffe staring into the mid-distance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I can see why you cut it. We've got uh, enough of them in the bank, I would say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then the final deleted scene is Hermione talking with Harry about them going with him while he searches for horcruxes and stuff. And Harry turns to her and says, when I'm around, keep the snogging to a minimum. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, like that's going to happen. Plus, he's barking. Uh, is this a Britishism that oh, you are familiar great. with? Yeah, barking is short for barking mad, ah. which means like crazy. But which I didn't really understand why she said that. I was like, well, there seems to be like a bit of a, maybe she just panicked and she was like, no, I don't like him. He's a, he's I think a, that's what it is. She's trying to pretend crazy. that she doesn't like him, but Harry sees through it. Yeah. Barking mad. Yeah. And then Harry goes on to say, funny, he says the same thing about you. And Hermione says, yes, but I'm exceptionally perceptive. And then Harry says, you're brilliant. You're both brilliant. And then it shows the scenic background. I think this is really nice. I think this would be a better ending. Yeah. I think it's a better ending than they do in the movie because in the movie, they try to give this unnecessarily happy ending that feels disingenuine. I think this is the movie where... Harry says, like, oh, I never realized how beautiful it is up here. And they just try to give you some bullshit, sappy ending mm. where I like that this is more conversational and appears to be more genuine of, like, huh, you have a crush on our friend. No, yeah. I don't. Ah, we're teenagers. Like, this is how we're trying to avoid talking about more serious matters. I think that's a more natural conversation to have than Harry being like, it's really pretty. And again, the, the you're brilliant, you're both brilliant. It's, it's, it's low key and it's touching and it's very sweet. Yeah. It's not like overly soppy, but it's, I don't know, it's a recognition. I love it. It's the correct level of sap mm, for yeah. Harry to show to his friends that he appreciates having around. Yeah. And difference between movie Harry and book Harry, I would say maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know if book Harry would be like this in touch with his emotions. No. As, usually, I, I think know. movie Harry's a bit more. A, bit, a little bit more of a softy. Exactly. Yeah. So that's all the deleted scenes for movie six. But Emily, we have the wonderful problem of we've talked too much and had too had much too fun. Much I, th fun. <laughs> I thought this was going to be just one episode, but we just had so many good goofs and bits that we're going to cut this early here. And next week we'll pick up with deleted scenes for movies seven and eight. But thank you so much for joining on. If people want to find you on the internet, where can they do so? So I'm at Emily's Cartoons everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And I also have a Patreon where you can subscribe for one dollar a month and you get an extra comic a week if you really like my comics. That's fantastic. They're very good. I can vouch. Check them out on Instagram. And thank if you want to check them out, get bonus ones on Patreon too. So Emily, thank you so much for joining. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they look off into the distance like Daniel Radcliffe does <laughs> so often in these films and in these deleted scenes, wizard on! Thanks, Mike. Bye. Hey, if you find yourself with some newfound free time and you want to listen to some new content while you're doing whatever, Multitude is here for you. There's so many other great podcasts from Multitude. I'm quite partial to Horse, the basketball podcast that I help run with Eric Silver. We talk about all the silly elements of the NBA. So recently we talked about a very funny tweet that Joel Embiid sent out. And we also talk about NBA history, but the silly NBA history, such as an NBA coach's car getting sent flying through the air by a private plane. Yes, that actually happened. Join the Party has its new season going. Spirits has great mythological stories, but also their live show segments are so fun where they do creepy or cool. I highly recommend those. And Head Heart Gut is as funny as ever on the multi-crew, and there might be some new stuff coming to the multi-crew soon if you join, so you can learn about all of these new shows at multitude.productions. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Klaus Lopu, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Rosemary, Dodge Marie, Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadonira, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Nikita Power, Ali Matt, 
Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian the Owl, Haley Hastings, Moster, Alex Consilver, John Kotker, Noel Beausoleil, Liz Bigelow, Brendan Pickens, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lotta Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou Frieda, Jay Svensson, Ivor Peterson, Summer Rathel, Andrea Kroc, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Addie, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Eileen Gazesh, Keegan Curran, Mr. Folk, Maya, Flor Sake, Siri Scarsfjord, Georgia Davis, Skyla Lily, Adele Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskovchova, Elizabeth Christofferson, Michael David Yordi, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly Otilio, Carrie Crumpler, Connie Bienkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Husser, Samantha Lentz, Aurora Fruhoff, Marco Cepeda, Courtney Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, Julie Walton, The Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Brianna Jordan, McKenna Tweedy, Heather Langeal, Brad Harding, Thomas Chavara, Brianna Cusimano, Kevin Stewart, Laurie McDonald, Chrissy Tiu, Jarl Sviven, Haley Logan, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jen and Rose Daub, Nicole Linzer, Callahan and Darius, Kylo the Husky, Leah Reed, Melissa Rabb, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Bill Gill, Victoria Colcaperi, Elizabeth Yu, Britt McLean, Becca Spry, Reese Diggin, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Lily's mom, T Run Money, Madison Kyle, Don't Call Me Infidora, GK Have It Your Way, Sabrina Balsiger, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzin Gerabat, Melanie Dugrave, David Douglas, Maria Matt Barger, Okamahime, Yimki Bony Pony, Jacob Rossitano, Kelsey Gillespie, Taco Blowfish, Rike Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Rochelle Mobs, Megan Moon, Alicia Chapman, Riley Kittis, Colleen Waters, Stinda Vokter, Laurel Happy, Rossanne Batamana, Erica Butler, Miranda Hurley, Natanya Page, Charter Binks, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Elite Rave, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web designed by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campamanas. If you want to find us on social media, you can at Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, and Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com. For merchandise, you can get just the exclusive merch over at Patreon.com slash Potterless, and that's also where the bonus episodes live. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether it's online through a review or safely in person or through an email or a messenger app or something so that you're keeping your distance, that would really help a ton. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on! Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.